0: It gives me great pleasure to introduce our today's guest, Dr. Ahmet Asaf Fariqi from Bilkent University. An important academic in the field of neuroscience, Dr. Fariqi's work represents an impressive fusion of vigorous empirical investigation and groundbreaking theoretical inquiry into the intricate relationship between brain activity and task execution. Dr. Fariqi has carved a unique niche in neuroscience concentrating on understanding how our brain divides tasks. His work in this area has revealed surprising insights into neuroscientific aspects of task execution, providing valuable guidance for anyone interested in maximizing their efficiency. His work also has shed light on the complex dynamics of the default mode network, (DMN) during task execution. This network of brain regions typically active during rest and deactivated during tasks is the subject of much ongoing research. Dr. Faricu's contributions to our understanding of the DMN have significant implications for how we view consciousness and its role in task execution. Dr. Farakou's research continues to push the boundaries of understanding of the human brain and task execution. His work has profound implications, not just for neuroscience, but also for how we understand our own minds and actions in the world. I present to you, Dr. Ahmed al Safariki. Is it it the mind, the behaviors? What would you do if you didn't become a neuroscientist and why? So, I am a physician,
1: I'm a doctor as well. Uh, I started my academic career as a doctor, and um, so I was massively interested in the human body. And this is a continuation. So, I then became interested in neuroscience. Now, very soon, if you go into neuroscience, you'll realize that the the main difficulty in understanding the brain, obviously, one one of them, one of the difficulties in understanding the brain is the the but the complex biology of the brain. But even more even even bigger insurmountable difficulty in that is knowing what concepts and constructs to study the brain with. That is, for example, suppose you need suppose that laptop is for something that you have never seen. And you wanted to figure that out. So you try to figure out in the context of whatever you know about let's say objects, complex objects. So today you will make try to make sense of it as some kind of a system. Let's say if you were in 18th century, you would try to make it make make sense of it in terms of livers and things. right? Because uh, maybe if you were in Roman times you would try to look making make sense of it in terms of what flows across water because that was the most complex flow flowing technology, you know, according to and so, and and, and so forth. So the 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 concepts, the biggest mm. um, difficulty in understanding the brain is knowing what concepts to bring about, because unlike physics, where you have got, let's say, if you if if you claim that there is something called an atom, mm-hmm. you can look at it, you can play with it, you can break it, you can fuse it, mm-hmm. you can create a reaction with now, when you have made a construct about the mind, it's only, it's, it's entirely up to you, right? Yeah. So that is why I interested in, became also interested in uh, yeah. psychology. Now, I did not, I have not studied psychology. I did, I entered into
0: psychology after my PhD.
1: So, yeah.
0: Okay. How was the experience of building a career in psychology then after switching from being a doctor to mm-hmm. being a neuroscientist? Mm-hmm. And in academia in general, what was the difficulties you had because of academia and specifically
1: in psychology? So the uh, <coughs> the first difficulty of being a psych- academic in psychology would be that if you are if you're thinking of your yourself as a scientist, then you find that the field is not as clean as science. Now this is not necessarily a bad thing, but that is how it is. That is. It's not like engineering, it's not even like molecular biology, it's much more messier. And one aspect, one little aspect of that mess is you'll find is that findings are difficult to replicate, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is one aspect of difficulty which pertains to the nature of the field. Then there are aspects of difficulty which are to do with the sociology of science, because after all science Mm -hmm. is done in a relevant set of institutions. (laughs) and have to undergo a particular dynamic, for example, getting money, getting a science job, finding, doing a PhD and finding a postdoc, sure. and so on and so forth. So those are a second set of difficulties. That, so, by analysis, I would say that all difficulties of faces, of personal faces as an academic, fall into these two categories. Difficulties of the field, let's say, epistemic difficulties, how do we find the right thing in the field? And the second is, how do I find the, the right institution, right, right money, right students, right job, <laughs> uh, to continue working in science. Yeah.
0: So since you mentioned reproducibility crisis, mm-hmm. I, I had a question about that, but I will just move it forward. Um, how do you avoid that one? How do you avoid in your studies? Yeah so um, there are, there's general good statistical
1: practices for sure. example having a bigger sample size having a big sample size not doing p-hacking that is um, not um, uh, uh, peeking into your data using the right kind of statistics and so on and so forth mm-hmm. but at the same time you'll find that some bit of reproducibility crisis will never be never get resolved because experimental experimental psychology are both science as well as art because you are working on humans and there are very many things that cannot be, cannot get articulated in a scientific paper. For that matter, you won't even know with that that you need to articulate that. And a good way of understanding that, um, this issue is this. So, well, let's take a take a cuisine that you that you have never that you, <coughs> that you normally don't cook. And let's say you may not be cooking Filipino cuisine. Now, go on YouTube, find a Filipino cuisine, make it exactly as they say, taste it. And then go to a restaurant and taste <laughs> the same cuisine yeah. and you'll see there'll be huge data, right? So it's now now <laughs> yeah. a recipe is a fairly obvious, you know, clear cut thing that even then you'll find that you cannot replicate something just by that. Um, because there are a lot of things that cannot be articulated. So if the recipe says, fry it, till it golden brown. Mm-hmm. A golden brown is not one thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> so all the rest, may say that fry till the oil separates from whatever. So well, how do
0: you judge that? Same thing occurs in our experiments. Do you think uh, someone should change the systems a little bit, not just the statistical methods mm-hmm. to avoid that? Okay. But this is not about the system, this is
1: about the nature of the issue. For example, I'll give you an example, let's say suppose you come to, to parts 15 our experiments, which are typically slightly more, slightly challenging. Sure, sure. Now, how long should we should we train you, you know, before the experiment you get, you get instructions and you get training, right? Mm-hmm. If we employ the time method, we say that everybody should get practice for five minutes. People get uh, people differ in their abilities. So in five minutes, some person can learn the task very well. Others may not learn the task at all. Mm-hmm. Suppose we say that no, no, use your judgment. Don't go by time. Use your judgment to make sure that everyone gets practiced well. Mm-hmm. Which means that somebody gets practiced five minutes, others get practiced twenty minutes. No? everything will have an effect.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so these things there is no way of of,
0: of resolving. So, you think it will be always in psychology at least? So, so the kind of
1: mess there is right now, that level of mess need not be the case. That level of mess is also because of the push to, pub, to pub, publish, because people want to publish and people want to oversell.
0: That was what I'm referring you to when I said the system. Yes. So, that it is the case
1: that um, now that has. That may not be the case in, Western, in Turkish Academy. It is the case in Western Academy because Western Academy is clogged, is overcrowded with. When you have got too many people and and, or, or, and less funding opportunities or less opportunities to progress in your career, then obviously you want to publish in in and, and, and the only way your work be judged would be how how many papers you have published. So publishing becomes the currency, which means that hey, you want to publish you have to go over for quantity or quality. Okay. And B, you have to you end up overselling things. You have to oversell. Now typically when you do when you are in the field you'll find that the any good finding will lead you to lead you to a lesser understanding of things than more understanding of things. So technically you will not be marching towards the, the, the glorious stage of when you will know everything, that that stage will If anything you see, you see that stage going farther and farther away. But in your paper you cannot write like that. So in your paper you show, you show a false clarity. So, and, and as well as overselling. Overselling is marketing your paper that, mm-hmm. in a way that, that is actually not true. For example, take neuroscience papers and you'll see that the title of the paper would be Neural Mechanisms of black, of you know, the Neural now, by and nobody even knows what mechanism means in, 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 <laughs> in, the of, uh, in the land of cognitive neuroscience. So, this is, you can see that the overseeing starts is this uh,
0: fantastic. Yeah, even the name, so it should be hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, if someone knows they're interested in neuroscience before graduates, can you just briefly sketch a curriculum they
1: should follow without? Like getting into a psychology, undergrad? In fact, I would suggest people not to go into psychology. Psychology again, now psychology nice. people will hate me for that. <laughs> but the reason <thing> is, <laughs> is what <laughs> for for to make you to make your career into psychology or science. I mean, obviously then you are not doing anything wrong if you are doing psychology, mm-hmm. but you are not missing anything either if you are not doing psychology. Because you can enter the field from various various angles, and the more <laughs> wider base you have the better it is. So you can have a base in engineering and physics and maths and then enter into field. You can have your grounding into biology and medicine or life sciences and enter into the field. Or you can have a grounding into social sciences and enter into the field. So that is, um, it's always good
0: to have a wider field. How much your doctor's careers helped in neuroscience? So. It should help a lot. So
1: <laughs> in some sense, I don't think I have made a change in career, mm-hmm. except that I am not earning as much, and and I am not seeing. Related. I am not um, treating patients. I do see patients, uh, even I do see patients even in Turkey. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, so um, in some sense, it is part of the thing. Of, uh, it is uh, as broadly interpreted it is the same field. So it does help in the in relation to patients because patients are a huge. Um, a mind or like a big mind field of 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 knowledge and understanding of the issue, and people who don't see patients and don't um, are tend to miss a lot, a lot of things. For example, um, a, literally anyone who makes the claim that a set of brain regions is important for a set of cognitive issues, and you can whatever those cognitive issues and whatever the brain region is, they will if they were to see the. The wealth of finding in patients, they will tone down because patients don't as in, um, a patient data is messy, but at the same time, patient data kills your your over enthusiasm. So, yeah, brings you back to the to ground
0: reality. So. It's not idealistic ideas. Um, how did you know what to specialize on in neuroscience? Especially speakers. You primarily by interest. So, in any research career, um, uh,
1: if you are planning to a PhD, you a good way is what is the thing in which interests you massively, and you go don't don't tire of it. You don't get tired
0: of it. But so you, you must be interested in others other fields in neuroscience as well. Yes, sure. So yeah. So so, so, now, so now when you work, start working on your own, then you can
1: a, expand your interest. For example, um, I was always interested into into in, in cognitive neuroscientific research done in patients, not clinical research in, in patients. So we work on patients not to answer, not always to answer and uh, clinical the question. So we primarily are interested in neuroscientific or cognitive or um, answer of uh, or, or interested in questions of cognition or psychology. But I did uh, started doing this properly after cognitive. In my PhD, I did not do much. Mm-hmm. So, because in, in PhD, you, PhD is primarily a degree, it's actually yes. a new thing. A PhD is not the time to <coughs> realise your dream, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. you, you get that training and then you move on. Sure. Now, you may get into a PhD in which you are massively
0: interested, but even if that doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. What, what was your... What, what, what did you study in PhD? PhD I, <laughs> I, I, I did neuroscience. I looked at, uh, uh, and, and it's,
1: a, it's an issue that we still work on and I'm still interested in, which is to look at, which, to study what kind of things activate or deactivate those brain regions that are neither entirely s- sensory or perceptual nor entirely motor, that is to say. Now you can see, you can t- if you think about it, you'll see that it, it presents a problem. So a brain region that is sensory, that is, that is tied to hearing or seeing, it's relatively easy to study because you know on one side is vision sure. and you can regulate it. You can show colors, you can show different kinds of visual stimuli and make, try to make sense of activation and deactivation. A sure. brain so, region that is tied to moving your body, again, it becomes relatively easy to study because I'm saying relatively easy, not, not at all, it's not necessarily okay. completely easy. So that is on one side is the dynamic of movement and the other side is activation, deactivation of neurons. But those brain regions that are neither sensory non-motor or neither not non-perceptual, um, they present a conceptual problem. So how do you make sense of them? Then now you will say that, oh, because we understand there is language, there is memory, there is attention. But you see these are categories that have been that you came up with. Yeah. The brain need not respect that those categories of course, of course. So for example and plus where does one category end and the other begin, begins? It's very difficult to make sense of. For example, whenever you are attending something, in your head are some some knowledge of some some things, and the knowledge is in your memory. Mm-hmm. You cannot do attention. You cannot do. Um, uh, you cannot attend. You, you won't be attending to anything intentionally without using some memory, some knowledge. Like when you are doing memory, when you are recalling memory, you are attending, yeah? you are attending to your memories. So, so um, not just that, you can think of that, oh, memory and language are different things. But when I am speaking, what I am speaking with, with my words and semantics, which are in there in, in my memory, right? And and when I am forming my memories, I am using my concepts and constructs, are derived from language, to make sense of this experience that I then that then become part of my memory. So you'll find that that uh, that uh, studying these brain regions that are neither perceptual nor motor present conceptual difficulties. Conceptual difficulties means that these are the kind of difficulties that will not get solved if you have got a better machine or if you have got a better technology. So
0: so that was what my PhD was on and, and still it's something that we still work on. So. Does those regions participate in both motor actions and perceptual or non non motor? So, so <laughs> and, and by and large you can see that these
1: regions are neither perceptual nor motor. Sure. That is you can you can activate or deactivate regions when the person is doing things in their head. Um so but still the issue is that you can find them, activate and deactivate. The main issue is how do you make sense of those activations? How do you explain them? In what constructs? With what constructs do we explain that? So, so
0: those are are are, are the difficult. questions. Yeah. So, um, you let's say you're a, you're still in a neuroscientist, but you can't study action. Okay. Which fields of neuroscience would you pick? I can study action. If you didn't study action, I okay. I suppose most okay, of your sure, focus sure. on that.
1: So again, I'm not that. it's not that, that I, we cannot study the uh, other things we do. So for example, I did not so used to study language and started studying language a couple of months ago. So So by and large, I'm, I'm pretty happy that whatever we want to study, we learn and then start, start studying them. Sure. So, um, so, and that is another um, thing about our field that it is not too difficult to change your track. Um, obviously, you know, it will be very difficult for me to, let's say, move into computational neuroscience but I'm not very interested into that. Um, so, there will, be, there will be some changes that will be difficult to make but by and large, if you look at cognitive, what we call cognitive neuroscience, it's not too difficult to make, um, go across them. Obviously, you'll have to spend some months studying the field. Uh, understanding what has been done before, what or uh, what are the
0: conceptual issues, how people think about these things, and so forth. But you know. so, you say your second pick is language?
1: No, so I said that, that pick is already there. I said that I don't have a pick because if there's a pick, I will already have picked. So. so so, so what I was saying was that we uh, we already study everything that I wanted to study. Um, obviously, there are there are um, difficulties in this way. That let's say there are some patient syndromes mm-hmm. or some type of patients that you don't, that you cannot get anymore because I'd say the procedure was the neurosurgical procedure is no longer done. Mm-hmm. So we may be interested in studying, we may be interested in studying those patients. But we won't get those patients.
0: But otherwise, no. It's fine. Yeah, okay, okay. So, is there any concept that people, neuroscientists, neuros- neuroscientists, do a lot research on, but they, they don't in your eyes? Like, they are pursuing that, one, but they shouldn't. I mean, there are many, <laughs> but I would not, <laughs> I would not comment on that. Um, <laughs> but why not?
1: No, that should I, change I, No, no, I, I. Just, you see a lot of um, <coughs> a lot of um, research in the field is theory internal. Theory internal means that if you think as per this theory, as per this paradigm, if you make those assumptions, then yes, then you may then whatever uh, uh, you are doing things, they make sense only if that is true. <coughs> For example, let's start with the very basic one. A good as a big, big assumption is that there are computations that take place in the brain. It's a huge assumption, <laughs> because it's not that people found that, oh, in the brain computations are taking place. So that is that is an assumption, that is your assumption. But you go against that one? I'm, I'm not for or against. Mm-hmm. A, the point is, we go like, what is the, what is the evidence? Yeah, but... So uh, now what we can, what you can uh, see is that yes, the assumption is useful mm-hmm. to an extent. But you should also be aware that it is only useful to some <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily the, the truth with the captivity. It's it's useful because of it gives us the relevant set of metaphors. It gives us a way of thinking about things. Mm-hmm. But that's it. A brain activity doesn't follow computations. So so let's let's say this way. Suppose you think that that when the person is calculating uh, computationally this is the point where a lot of things are, are taking place. That is, uh, this is a step which is computationally the most complex. Mm-hmm. Brain, brain activity, those things don't follow. So, uh, like one of my my first findings in my, my cycle, and mm-hmm. in fact, it, that is what my first paper is on, mm-hmm. was that uh, steps that are computationally more complex totally see more activity in the brain. In fact, the last step, step that finishes it off mm-hmm. even now and you can create your task in such a way that the last step is not called demanding it's like okay we are done and you said that yeah you're done so i'm just waiting for you from to hear from you that yeah we are done that step is the thing that it is its maximal activity in the brain and in fact um there's this hardly a brain region that doesn't activate uh, physically for a small time on that at the task completion step so now, how do we make sense of this from in computational terms? <laughs> so now, what will happen in the field is things that don't, don't fit in your way of explaining things
0: will will get brushed aside, will get ignored. But so. just just play they will say we can. How would you then ex- then explain the success of current artificial intelligence
1: that does computation? So artificial intelligence is, is not for neuroscience. I'm not saying computation as a field is not useful. It's massively useful. No, 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 artificial think... intelligence. As I feel is it, very good and, and has been doing very well and, and the question is whether the, the system I think that is telling me something about the brain I, or the brain is doing the same thing. I don't think people make that claim anymore that the brain works in the same way as intelligence or AI systems. So, now, again, I, I do repeat that um, the computational metaphor or the computational, uh, the idea of, the, of competitions are happening in the brain mm-hmm. has been a, a very useful idea. It means mm-hmm. that it has generated a lot of studies. There are a massive number of papers and so forth, mm-hmm. but is it telling us some truth about the brain? On that, I doubt. And, and if we have time, we can go through a whole host of things, different it, will, it is obviously a different discussion, that what are, what are clear cut findings that don't, that don't fit in the computational metaphor. Hmm. And by the way, I'm using the word computational metaphor, others would not, because I treat computation as a metaphor of the mind.
0: Others will say computation is the model of the mind. Yeah. So, um, one... Is it at least some sort of computation for you, or is it totally different? So, okay, let's clarify then what is computation. Okay, let's and, 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 and in some sense,
1: you'll say that that um, that basically, computation is the idea of information, right? Sure. Now, in order for something to be information, some 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 event to be information, you already need pre-existing knowledge <laughs> and so, forth. so so again as I said that it, it will be a different discussion so um, then the second issue this was just an allusion to a set of issues the second issue is on what look ultimately in science and this is uh, the general rule of science that that you need to prove that something is the case sure. It's not that we take that oh, it has to be the case, now let's disprove it. <laughs> right? so that is why in science you start with another hypothesis. And then and then we find what is the evidence for this new hypothesis, this alternative hypothesis. So the onus is on proving that, yeah, show me a finding that, that shows that computation happens in the brain. Now I agree that, I fully agree that it is a good metaphor. And not only that, I also agree that there is literally no way of... Making se- making sense of or attempting to study the mind without metaphors. Sure. We are we if we even the moment we speak about the mind, any sentence we make about the mind will be metaphorical in nature. Mm. So, so, if we say that that person's mind is sharp, it is a metaphor, right? So of right? course, sharpness is a property <laughs> of <or> something. <laughs> um, that that guy's brain works very fast. I mean, it's a metaphor, right? Sure, sure. That it is more Objects run fast in speed terms. So, so in some sense we are trapped into that we can only think of a, a, a whole of, of in fact most of our thought is is or will involve some metaphorical ideas. So I'm not denouncing that hey, we should not be using computational metaphors and so forth, but at the same time we should be cognizant of what we are doing. So computation is an idea that came about in the last hundred years. So now unless. Um, Computation is some kind of a primordial uh, truth about existence that the, the, the brain has worked on. And I'm, I'm sure indeed there are
0: people who make that claim. point is, what is the evidence of that claim? Mm. It's a hard, very hard to prove. Mm. And you said the metaphors, there, there will always be metaphors. Then, what is the goal of neuroscience? The
1: best metaphor? Or really explaining the model? Yes. So, so it's um, obviously the it varies from people to people. Some people just think that they can explain the mind. Now, when when they are saying that uh, that itself is a metaphorical statement, that what is what the, what would be the nature of explanation? So, when we say that we have explained the solar system, means that we can explain the dynamics of solar system in terms of smaller entities that make up the solar system, the planets and comets, and and the law of the gravity and so forth we <laughs> say we can explain the mind, what does that mean? Yeah. So now um, nowadays, it in, in some circles it has come to mean that when you explain the mind, there will be no mind <laughs> because we we'll end up explaining it in terms of let's say biology, yeah, yeah. or we, it will just become it explained in terms of computation. So so, um, um, and and that is another. Uh, it's a, it's an aside. It's a, a like diversion, but it is a kind of. A, both a uh, question mark to the field, especially to psychology, that in some sense psychology has lost or is losing its area of study. That is, for some people it's no psychology, it's biology. For social scientists it's not psychology, it's actually sociology because it's all <laughs> social so the old idea of psyche is <laughs> which is which is uh, which has got its own ontological essence. It's Psychologists themselves find it difficult to know. Now I'm not of the view, I, I think psychology, there is a ground for psychology but, but still that it is definitely under a, a huge bit of question mark and challenge. Maybe psychology is the uh, philosophy of social sciences like they all start diverging away
0: from that but it starts with that one. Sure. <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. But, okay so another question. What is the meaning of life in your eyes and how does your view complements what you are doing in science? So meaning of life is an, is an
1: ascientific question, not unscientific. Ascientific means that you cannot scientifically arbitrate over it. Mm-hmm. So its domain has always been and will always be religion or philosophy sure. and, and so forth. So, um,
0: so if you are talking about scientifically, what do I think about the meaning of life? No, no, so, I am asking. Uh, does, how does it contribute to what you are doing in science? So, um, so that is, in fact, a reason why I,
1: like, I was always I gravitated towards psychology or neuroscience. It is it is it, the, the one area of science which I could access given my background uh, in, in, in in biological life sciences, medicine, which is also close to kind of bigger questions. Obviously, another um, theoretical physics or cosmology will also they also come close to some of the, some of the questions. Sure. Mm-hmm. So so definitely that definitely is a motivation, and that is why, for example, I have never been very interested in molecular neuroscience. I'm interested in cognitive
0: neuroscience. Sure. So I get that. So um, how? What would you suggest undergraduate students about studying, doing internship, about specializing? How did you study concepts or methods that you are utilizing, given that you Mm -hmm. worked on a lot of tasks? So, for for undergrads, I think
1: the best thing is to read plots. And read very widely. I'm, I'm assuming that we are talking about undergrads who are interested in cognitive neuroscience. Yes. Now, because cognitive neuroscience draws from a number of fields, so it is good to have a very wide spectrum of knowledge, starting from let's say cell biology of neurons, or molecular biology of neurons, and and, and um, uh, control, regulation of gene expression in neurons, to developmental um, uh, biology of of, neuron, of of the brain. To basic neuroscience, to systems neuroscience, and so forth. So, one should have a um, um, at least a snapshot of the entire width of the field. And, and neuroscience is a pretty wide field, as in you know, computational neuroscience people and people who are studying biophysics of, of neural receptors are uh, too.
0: Okay.
1: So, likewise, and, and, and along with that, one should be well versed with, with, in psychology and especially experimental psychology and so forth mm-hmm. then comes the issue of experimentation learning experimentation in the field which as we, i mentioned earlier it also is an art um, so um then and and that is something that can only be learned via experience the more you have worked on different things um, the more you more you learn and the third, uh, so this was the second dimension, uh, the third dimension of the field is, is having an idea of statistics. Now I'm not saying a uh, knowledge of statistics, but more an idea of a statistics. The idea of statistics means idea of, of how do, how does data work, how, when do we know that some event is, is, is beyond being random, being beyond random fluctuations. Where, what, what would be if I have a question in my mind? How big, uh, and if it's a very novel question, then how big uh, sample size should I require? So, so, um, so these things depend on <coughs> on understanding statistics. Um, so these things, um, if now all of these takes time to build. Sure, sure. So, yeah, sure. So now I know that it's just the case in Britain as well that that. Uh, people want to have some lab experience, Mm -hmm. Um, which is fine, (laughs) but more important than lab experience is uh, a understanding of the science and understanding of process of science. So I have got many undergrads who come in and do some data collection and leave, and I don't think that experience ends up being useful for them. Mm I mean, you have just made some many <laughs> so yeah, so, mm, so um so even if you don't have a, a lot of lab experience in the sense of doing internships in many labs, if you have one lab experience in which you understood the question and understood how the question was, was to be tackled and what, what were the pitfalls in the process and so forth, that is much more
0: useful than having done internship in, in six labs. So, do you think is there a problem in psychology curriculums that doesn't emphasize enough
1: of probability statistics and experimenting? I'm um, not fully familiar with psychology curriculum here. Um, from what I gather is that there are, certainly there are course works and so forth. In, in my experience, again, useful knowledge doesn't come through course coursework. Useful knowledge comes through your own study. So um, Now, there, is, there may be a personal bias on that because um, things that I am interested in, I did not study any of that in my classroom. So, uh, um, the courses I have taken are all medicine-related courses. Um, I did my PhD in the British system where, where, where you are not required to do any coursework. So I have not any coursework in neuroscience science or in psychology,
0: and in fact the first psychology course I was in was the one I was teaching. Do you think that system was optimal? I mean, the, um, you said you
1: didn't have to do any course earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, again, uh, yes and no. <clears throat> so, if, if you don't have a at the background, then how do you learn? Now, you can learn by yourself. Mm-hmm. So uh, And in my view, that is the way you, you should go for learning yourself. And and let's say if you're working in, in, in some field, uh, in someone's lab, then you always have guidance about what to read, how to read. But um, coursework in my view, are not necessarily useful. And that is why, if you remember, I mentioned that that uh, that, that if somebody is interested in psychology, I would not necessarily say what you psychology. Yes, sir, sir. Now, again, make, be aware of the difference. I'm not saying that expertise is not needed. Expertise is needed. What I'm saying is that coursework is not necessarily the most optimal way, or definitely the
0: is definitely not the only way of developing expertise.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So would you recommend uh, another system, maybe with a lot of uh, work given to the students, but there there are still uh, coursework, so a little bit like a
1: controlled. <coughs> Online. <coughs> you you find that one fit one size fit all mm-hmm. definitely is not the way to go. Yeah, yeah. So you cannot come up with one thing which will satisfy everyone. Now there are there are people who require coursework, there are people who can do things on their own, there are people who require some something in between. So, so how, how would you de- recommend determining before the course, like mm-hmm. just before sp- starting the? So people. Okay. In between, what I, what I um, suggest to people is that to take coursework in the fields that you are interested in or fields that you think will be useful to know. For example, um, you should be learning statistics and so feel be to take a statistics course or a, a course on programming. But then also be aware that the coursework will not teach you much programming. <laughs> you primarily learn programming when you have to do programming. Likewise, um, uh, much of the much of, mm-hmm details of the field, you will only know when you are trying to create new knowledge in the field, i.e. when you are doing research in the field. Okay. So, um, so sure, if you have to do coursework. Now, I am thinking of, not seriously, not not uh, in a big way, but I do, I am thinking of some alternate to the university, the current, current university system, which I think is unnecessarily, definitely not optimal, let's say. But I don't have a full answer to in what mm-hmm. their system be. Look, now there are some things in which coursework for some kind of a uh, guided education is necessary, and medicine is one of them. Yes. There's no way of making a doctor on your own. Um, and likewise, and um, and this is important that you have to make. I'm not saying that any, uh, let's say psychology can be learned by yourself. In fact, in my view, the way of learning psychology is to do research in the field mm-hmm. under someone's like guidance. So, in that case, when you are doing some research, then you will be reading about it and you will be reading papers, you will be um, talking
0: to other researchers. That is the primary way of, of, of learning the field. So, thank you for the answer. That's very that's really helpful for probably many. Mm-hmm. I will switch it together, again, mm-hmm. the topic a little bit again. Uh, can you understand, when you are reading a neuroscience paper, whether or not it's reproducible? Do you
1: have any sense? In, oh, 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 over time, not, not, in, not in everyone, <laughs> but, again, this also comes with expertise. And so, because I also do neuroimaging, I know how brains, what happens under scandal and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, it, to, to an extent, it's easy to know. Um, what things are possible, what things are not possible, and so forth. So, <coughs> but obviously it cannot be, in, it won't be entirely true. Now, now this, there is this, in this case, um, they did actually did a study on psychology researchers, experimental psychologists, mm-hmm. in which they show a set of findings, ask them to go through a set of findings, and for each of them decide, do you think this can be reproducible or not? And by that everyone could judge way above chance what would be reproducible, what would be not. <laughs> <laughs> and so and in that sense you'll see that even you can judge it, even if you're not in the field, by typically things that make bombastic claims. <laughs> <laughs> things. Things that, that make it look all too simple, I'm not going to be reproducible. <laughs> because the field is, you know, if somebody claims that that oh I have a clear explanation, that was implying or or just bluffing. So, um, so now, in psychology, I know now in that particular study, it, 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 this was the case because many topics were such that a good number of them were bombastic claims. So, and, and others were kind of intuitively obvious. So if I say that, hey, but it could be. It would be Will be slower when they are doing a two digit multiplication than
0: when <laughs> they are doing <laughs> a single digit multiplication. <laughs> right? So, things, not, not that particular issue, but things of this kind, uh, it's easy to see that they, they can be reproducible. Yeah. Yeah. So, you have worked a lot about neuroscience of dividing tasks. That is why that is why dividing tasks are neuroscientically better. Uh, what are the surprising facts that research? showed you that you can maybe give as an advice to all the task test executors okay so um now by the way um, um i don't have um
1: findings that tell us about our reality better than our intuitive understanding of things mm-hmm. and i don't think and same is the same is the case with Pretty much all of psychology. Now, the big exception where you find that, when that is as experimental psychology or modern like academic psychology or scientific psychology, let's say, that <coughs> does tell us something that was not intuitively obvious. There are some um, um, the thing that can that comes to mind is, for example, let's say that um, that memories can very easily be manipulated. it's, it's not not is not very difficult to implant new memories in people. Especially, uh, so it may not, that is one thing that, one example that comes to mind, which is, which will not be intuitively very apparent, but is the case. Otherwise, I can't, much of the, much of the field, things are what you would intuitively Mm -hmm. (laughs) intuit them to be. Again, some people will claim that, yeah, we have, it has been shown that, for example, our behavior is under influence by, very many things that we are un- not conscious of, and which is not, uh, not intuitively obvious to a lay person. Those are the classic findings which are unreproducible. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so if you want to find which field of psychology is most unreproducible, are those things <laughs> which show that you know that my behaviour right now is influenced by something that happened and I was not aware of. Now in my, in my um, in in um, our neuroscientific experiments, much of our thing is about um, how brains are becoming active, not active, what or reactive in ways that you don't always feel you did not expect them to be. Okay. So I I'll give you one I give you one example like from a very early study that that regions most brain regions are act more active, not at the com- the traditionally most complex step but seemingly a very competition, non-complex step, which was, let's say, a task completion. Um, in some other things, now we have used tasks uh, mm-hmm. that, um, that involve multitasking and so forth. But the crux of the finding there is not about how people should do multitasking, but what they tell us about our understanding of the brain. Yeah, yeah, I know that, but still I just want to ask you Now, the general uh, point of, of, of um, in the field, again, this if this is something that you don't need to be a psychologist to know this, is that multitasking is best done by people who don't do multitasking. That is, this actually is actually uh, also a finding. So, you know, there are people who, who would be working on a computer, essay, writing essays, checking the. key. Um, <laughs> make coffee, doing multiple things at the same time. Right? That is, who don't tend to work in a focused manner. Then they have people who work in a very, very focused manner. You take both of these group of people, and then give both of these group of people some kind of a real multitasking. <laughs> multitasking, real multitasking would be that there are five different tasks to be done in fifteen minutes. And, and and the and somehow the situation requires that all you will be doing this. part of task A, leave them in in between, then part of task B, leave it in between, to part of task C, come back to task A and so forth. Now of um, people who normally work in a very focused manner, Tend to be much better in the this real multitasking situation <laughs> than people who are who work in a non-focused manner and, and are doing supposed multitasking in So, why do you think that is? Because, um, again, nobody know why. But the general, like uh, one explanation is that people' have uh, uh, cognitive abilities you require a good bit of cognitive abilities to do this kind of a messy task. And and people who are used to, who tend to focus and work, either they have higher ability to begin with, and that is why they are less distractible and can focus more. Or they have learned to focus. Now, when they are doing multitasking, they are also focusing, not at task A, but at five tasks, but you know that that, that like, doing all five tasks at the same time requires a much more complex focus that only those people who are used
0: to focusing can do. Do you have any uh, non-optimal things that you have seen in brain, like mm-hmm. while doing multitasking? Why why can't we do that? What? What's, how would the brain look like that can do multitasking?
1: So, again, um, I don't think I have, obviously, I don't have any neuroscientific answer, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody else has neuroscientific yeah, answer yeah, either, but, um, mm-hmm. so, again, because it's, look, it's a psychological question, question of psychology in the sense that what are the abilities that allow people to multitask, mm-hmm. and one, one of that, one of the, or the key thing is to, uh, um, the more adept you are, the better your general cognitive abilities are, the better your general attention abilities are, the better you will be in a new situation. That seems to be the... And again, this is not a new answer, because this is pretty, you know, pretty much an old answer, and
0: pretty much all cultural civilization have had this idea. So, um, what does... Anticipatory control through associative learning <laughs> of sub relations, okay, yeah. invisible <laughs> okay. <better than> show <laughs> yeah. sure about learning. Okay, so, so that is a study. Um, by
1: the way, I should yeah. be fair, as and be honest and make it, uh, make it uh, clear outright that uh, somebody tried to replicate that and could not replicate it. Oh, no. Now, however, that in that paper, you'll find that there are six experiments. So, so I myself replicated that. That's that finding a number of times before publishing it, and and because this is because that is also um, uh, um, the, the studies about those unconscious um, events um, or subliminal events, and I mentioned that these tend to be extremely unreplicable because um, because of the art involved. Now, what the, the finding was this, the, the basic finding was this. Um, suppose you are here, you are doing some task, right? Now there was some, let's say, some sound in the environment that occurred every time when the task you were at, you were on was going to be difficult. So let's say you were playing a video game, and in the in the video game, um, every now and then there will be some situation when when you require more attention, when you require you know, things to be difficult. Right? You are, you are there's a higher chance of you losing point or getting shot or whatever. Okay? Now there was some sound. That will be there every time. Such situation, situation that will be more demanding, come right. So let's say before that demanding situation comes, a second before a faint sound was to come. Now the sound was so faint that you could not hear it, okay? and when you st- and you did not even know it existed. Now since you did not know it existed, which means that that when the sound comes, your brain will have to learn that this subliminal sound. In the sound which I don't know of, and I don't even know if there is some, some this thing is going on. So, when we have to learn that every time this sound comes, a second after that, I, I have to do things become more difficult. Now, right? yeah. uh, if the brain learned this contingency, this association, mm-hmm. then you in that video game situation will be better in dealing with that difficult spot if it was preceded by that, that subliminal sound, then when that different situation came without being preceded by that subliminal sound. Yeah? Now, so this is the... And, and the finding is that, yes, that can happen. Uh, uh, that, that is, uh, that is uh, when you go into a new task situation and there is something subliminal that you don't know of, um, and that predicts not some kind, of a, some kind of a complete event, but just predicts that things would be difficult, then you start making use of that that predictiveness of this subliminal thing to make anticipatory preparation to get better, in because now you know a second before that oh, something difficult is going to come, and so you anticipate and, and, and become better at, um, on that event, so that was, the, that was the, the basic finding there. So conscious one is better than unconscious? So, finding now, yes, so now the thing is, um, what would happen if we make this, um, then there are a couple of writers in here. <coughs> so one writer is <coughs> that this happens only when the task is so difficult that you, it seems as if the brain has to use everything at its disposal. This, that is if, it is, if the situation is moderately difficult, then things don't get used. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is this, that suppose there is some Event that you can some sound that you can hear, but you don't know what it is about. So, so it seems at least in that in the context of that study that things become uh, that is you 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 don't become um, um, as better as uh, uh, you don't make use of the conscious event as well as 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 good as you make use of unconscious event and the one possibility is, is that, that if you if you know that something is when you hear something and you know that it is irrelevant because you don't know about it so it is so it's easier to ignore them now this is another the set of findings that are there again um, which is that in many situations conscious things are easy to ignore than unconscious things
0: yeah. so interesting. Yeah. interesting so um, you said it's Someone tried to reproduce it but couldn't. Yeah. So how how did, how can you tell when the one who is doing the reproducing is not reproducible, reproducible again? No. So and
1: in fact that is why after this uh, that's the only paper I have on unconscious on subliminal things. I I I did not work on, on it afterwards um, because mm, the. These are experiments in which your artistry as, or your your art as an experimental psychologist, works. Now, when they are some, um, I told you that this finding occurs only when things are very difficult. Mm-hmm. Now you can imagine that it can, obviously we are talking of some level of, op, some level of, optimal level of difficulty. If it is too difficult, then it won't matter, right? And if it is too easy, then it will be irrelevant. So then question is, how do we know what is the optimal? Now I, I knew it because I had done so many experiments on it. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is trying to replicate it, they have not done anything. They are, they just need my paper and try to replicate it, right? So that is so I, I, I mentioned earlier on that a good bit of, of uh, non reproducibility is bound will be there because it is uh, because of the art part, because of the part that it, it's almost like you are in, when you are in, like cooking a, um, a, a, a dish that that you, you the way you you become master of a cuisine is by apprenticeship over long years.
0: You cannot just read something and so. Yeah. Definitely don't work that way. You, you you showed that it is not just default mode regions mm-hmm. that are deactivating, but other areas of mm-hmm. as well during mm-hmm. the task exchange. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about default mode regions yeah. mm-hmm. and tell why this is important to you and all the neuroscience studies? So, yeah, so that may be the, my most mm-hmm. important
1: paper <laughs> because that is a paper that took me like 10 years to. Oh. So the the first uh, to understand what is default mode. So in '90s when they when they started doing new looking at which regions are more active and and so forth. the question came when you say more active, then more active compared to what? Mm -hmm. So suppose I if you, ask you to do some task, and I say that during task some regions are more active. I'm implicitly taking some baseline, more active compared to not doing the task. Right? <laughs> so, so when uh, when the experiments were designed, they will typically have a task block, you know, some period of task and some period of rest. And now you need to give people rest because even if you uh, did not have what I'm going to say in mind, uh, you will you all the experiments will require. Uh, Participants taking rest uh, because there's a limit to how long you can work, right? especially in an experiment setting. More so in fMRI scanner, neuroimaging, sc- uh, um, MRI scanners, because MR scanners are very, very noisy. You are in a it's lying in a metal tube uh, claustrophobic mirror, uh, situation, and so you need uh, uh, you need some some rest. So when they take these experiments, and, and the content of the task would vary. So, depending on the researchers, interest, they are interested in language, maybe some language you make participants read something. Uh, if you are interested in memory, maybe they memorize something. So, while the task content would vary, the rest period would be the same, right? Because you have to give rest. Yeah. And people would find, as they expect, that certain regions are more active during task periods. And which regions are more active? Obviously, it depends on what's the content of tasks. So, language tasks leads to one kind of activity memory task into another kind of activity. But at the same time, people started to see that, look, there are certain regions that are more active during tasks as we expect. There also are certain regions that are more active during rest and become less active during task period. These started getting called as default mode. As the word suggests, that these are the regions that are active by default, that they are the default mode of the brain. <laughs> they are active normally. And the moment you enter into some class, which uh, they become less active. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So that is how the. Uh, now, when, when you do that, you find that a set of regions uh, show that, and it's very easy to know what those. I to remember what those set of regions are. If you put your hand uh, on the middle of your forehead, mm-hmm. so the region just below your hand and the region just below the, uh, the vertex. Yeah? on the middle side and two regions just here um, and there are some other regions as well but by and large uh, these are the crux of regions that uh, tend to be less active during tasks regardless of the content of the task um, and then there will be discussion about what may why would this why would be any region less active during tasks. and mm-hmm. then you can again mean into it that maybe <laughs> that when you are sitting at rest your mind wanders. When you are doing some tasks your mind is focused etc mm-hmm. uh, etc. Maybe these are about tasks that are done in your head, compared to tasks that are done outside. Uh, yeah. For example, when you are doing a language task, you are doing something outside, when you are sitting or remembering things, you are doing a task in your head, right? And so forth. Now, I found, I started finding in my PhD, that if we look at uh, task versus rest condition, then, and to define this, if, uh, if you, you. Um, design your tasks such that they are the tasks are long and the person knows how long they are so that the person knows that I'm going to do a 30 second long task yes. If you dis- do do this kind of task, then again, regardless of the content of the task um, many, many regions start to deactivate and those regions that tend to deactivate <coughs> are not just default mode regions In some of my tasks, I will find that Pretty much, <laughs> especially, in fact, what I find is that if I make the task more easy, that is, make reduce the content of the task, that is, let's say, a task I do in, is, is involves something, seeing something and responding something, right? And whereas if I were to ask you to meditate or do some kind of mental um, um, uh, mental multiplication, easy multiplication, I ask you to just go from one, three, five, seven, yeah. just keep going to odd numbers and don't lose your track. So it's a very simple task. And what we would find is that the if you make the content of the task easier, the number of regions deactivating would increase. Oh. Such that in, in a way, in a task that is very simple, just involves you to look at a focus or some numbers, pretty much the whole of the brain, uh, the whole brain would be deactivating. So... Is it because focusing is more easy? <laughs> so, I mean... I yeah. <laughs> that's <the> saying. <laughs> So just easy easy and difficult is in some sense difficult to judge. Um, But sure, you could say that. So um, so so in in across a number of studies, what we found what found was that that it seems that those regions that are not concretely involved. Concretely involved means this: that let's say when you are doing a visual task, then your auditory region is unlikely to be involved. Mm And and mm-hmm. what you find is that your hot regions also deactivate. So so the, the, the set of regions that are deactivating tends to vary. Sometimes it is just the default mode region, sometimes it is the whole brain, sometimes it is not even the the uh, not even the entire default mode region that is deactivating. So that is what the study is about. That that the the regions that deactivate are not just default mode. So can you tell when I mean, when I'm in some sort of flow, I don't usually
0: perceive noises, right? Mm-hmm. Do you see that kind of deactivation in uh, brain regions of auditory brain regions as well? Yes. Yeah, so, but doesn't that tell you about something the mind has? like? I mean there are multiple questions so here, but, but the, 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 the more basic
1: question is what does deactivation mean? Mm. Mm. Now now we also know that deactivation doesn't mean that the region is not involved. <laughs> so now to make sense of that you need to consider, understand what the fMRI measure. So fMRI, fMRI measures net change in blood flow in voxels. That is in fMRI we collect data in imagine in cubes made up of 3 millimeter dimension. Mm. Now, in a 3 millimeter cube, you are looking at something like 500,000 to a million neurons. So only if majority of those neurons are going in one direction, you will see net change in their blood flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fMRI is measuring net change in activity in big population of neurons. Now for a brain project to be involved in something, not all neurons need not be, be active enough to have net increase in blood flow. Likewise, if, if, most, if most neurons have decreased activity in such a way that, that there is a net decrease in blood flow, which is what we are calling here, it need not mean that the brain region is involved. That is, a brain region could technically be involved then let's say, 90% of its neurons are silent, and 10% are, are doing something.
2: Hmm.
1: Now, because we don't know these things we are not clear about these things, so we cannot uh, infer that deactivation means lack of involvement. Now, some of these, it is uh, to go back to this auditory, uh, auditory example that auditory regions or the hearing regions of the brain are we could say reasonable bit of certainty, or reasonable, it will be reasonable to say that they are unlikely to be involved in inhibition. Can so, you who, things about filtering? Yeah, so so possible we could say that there Maybe maybe that task requires the mm-hmm. when visual tasks, then the task also requires not just expressing what is to be done, but also to be what is not to be done. For example, right now it is given that we should not I should not be walking up and <laughs> go run or run away. Right. Um, um it is it is given that, for example, if I feel an itch, I will not jump and scratch it. Mm-hmm. So, so whenever we are in any kind of extended task, because this only comes in extended tasks, that not only does the brain need to specify what is to be done, but also specify what is to be not done, and that is what we are. That is that is one certainly, but then that is one plausible explanation. Do you have any other possible explanations? Oh, there are many. <laughs> so. So, so, not, study not, study. No, so right. in, in subsequent so studies, and in fact that's a study that we are we are um, inshallah be submitting. So in there we look at the information content of these regions that deactivate. So, so, so now let's say um I have got two tasks. You can be playing video game one or playing video game two. Right? Both are visual in nature. And in both cases, on three regions. Deactivate by looking at the pattern of activity in your auditory regions, decode whether you are on video game one or video game two. Okay. Now, if your if it was just your video your auditory regions shutting down, then that information will not tell you whether you are on video game one or video game two. Now, what we what we find is that all regions that deactivate from their activity patterns, you can decode the task that is being done. Yeah. So so it is not that simple that. Now you could say that maybe in video game one there is one way of saying that hey auditory regions don't don't bother about sounds. In all, in video game two, there is another way of saying that hey auditory regions don't get involved. Possible. So um, so that is indeed an explanation again. But the fact that the deactivation is not mode specific, it is task specific and it retains Pretty much as much uh, of task related information. Now, we, uh, the, the video game example I gave you was a fairly uh, simplistic one. If you, you find that even more fine information is present in, let's say, in auditory regions when you are doing visual tasks. So, which so means that again we need to rethink about what region is involved, what region is not involved. And it definitely means that just because some region is deactivating
0: doesn't mean that it is it doesn't have task-related information in it. Are you now eliminating the explanations, or
1: are you focusing on another thing? So, we do both. Yeah. Uh, we, also, we try to eliminate explanations as well. Yeah. And, and now you'll find that many times, um, let's say you are on 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 issue one, and, you are, and you'll find, and this happens in neuroscience a lot, you find some other
0: random, seemingly unconnected thing that will shed light on that thing. So, you are looking for others, other complications as well. Yes, that's yes. good. So, so, to give you another example on what, how these things
1: are relevant, uh, let's see in patients. In patients, um, um, if you have damage to the default mode regions, um, and now. Opposite of default mode, Remember, I mentioned the default mode regions are those that reactivate in all tasks. Yeah. Now opposite to that are some regions that are active in all tasks. Again, irrespective of the content of the task. So whether you start doing memory tasks, these regions are active, you have to match tasks, these regions are active yeah. Now when it comes to patient deficits, whether, the patient has, whether you have a set of patients who have been damaged to default mode regions, Another set of patients, another set of patients who are damaged to these task activating regions, you find that in terms of the impairment, they seem to be by and large similar. Now, people have proposed uh, or or tried to show that there is a difference, but in my knowledge, um, in my uh, experience, um, and by, by the way, that question is still open, um, and we will, again, be studying them as well. Um, the two set of patients by and large are not too different, not too different. Both of them have got impairment tend to have impairment in long tasks. Both of them have got more impairment in more difficult tasks. Both of them have got difficulty in novel
0: tasks. So, so uh, does the the patient that you studied is does it relate to the Parkinson's one I read? No, so that's an old that's a very old study. These yeah. are we're talking about more recent work.
1: What, what was that, the goal on that one? On, is it on Parkinson's? Yeah. So that was my, my master's thesis. Mm-hmm. So um, so now in Parkinson's patients, you have people uh, people um, have difficulty in, in, in making movement. They tend to be very slow in, in, in making movement. Right? Yeah. So you will see that the moment if you ask some question to a Parkinson's patient, the patient will wait and very slowly answer that. Sure. So that is fine. Now, in that that study, we look at uh, how easy it is for Parkinson's patients to stop their movement. Mm -hmm. Now, We know that they have difficulty initiating movement, and their movements are slow. Mm -hmm. Then does it mean that it becomes easier for them to stop stop their movement? That is to say that, um, suppose if I were to ask you to tap um, every time I say letter A, and you tap, if I start saying A faster, you'll be tapping more and more. Right? And suppose I say, uh, the task is that if I say B, then don't tap. Right? Now if I say A once every 10 seconds, and then once I say B, it'll be very easy for you to not tap. Yeah. But if I were to say A, let's say, twice a second, that every half a second, so you A, yeah. mm-hmm. let's say, and, and, and then occasionally I say B in like that runoff case, it'll be, we are very likely to, yeah. right? now Parkinson's patients are slow. Right? So, technically it should be easy for them to start more, not to cancel their movement. Yeah. Now what you find is that Parkinson's patients are slow in making movements, but they are also very slow in cancelling their movement. Mm-hmm. That is Parkinson's patients also have got what is called problems of, of cognitive control. They have got difficulty because to cancel a movement you have to control your head, right? Yeah. So your your brain is sending a motor a movement plan to your hand. You are tapping, and the moment something b has come, in the brain send a plan very quickly to not move. So,
0: Parkinson's patients have got difficulty in that. Yeah. That's, that's nice. So, um, how did design your experiments? While we've we've been talking, I I realized that how difficult it is to study yeah. those. You know, it is to eliminate an mm-hmm. explanation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you do this? So there is no one way. There is no one order.
1: There is no, no, and and um, very typically, okay, this happens with all psychology and neuroscience experiments that it is the case that you are trying to cover yourself with a small sheet. Mm-hmm. So if you cover your head, your legs will <laughs> If you cover your leg, your hands come <laughs> out. So so, so, you, so you 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 practice. So that is, there will never be a perfect experiment. Now, the way we work is that rather than testing what is supposed to happen as per a view, as per an account, as per a theory, we try to test for what should not happen. That is, let's say, (coughs) if if there is a theory, um, it predicts a set of things that should happen in the brain. Mm. It should also predict a set of things that should not happen in the brain. So we try to go and look look at those things which the theory predicts should not happen in the brain. I'll give you an example. You have a a whole host of of of, of theories um, about, let's say, consciousness or attention that predict that say which regions should be more active because let's say consciousness or attention or cognitive control are are being instantiated by by those regions. Which means that the theory spread also predicts that if you are like, paying attention or you are conscious, then these regions should not be deactivating. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll design an experiment to see if can we, if <laughs> is there a situation whereby you are conscious or slash attending, but this region becomes deactivating? Now. If that happens, no matter what explanation you throw up, if it is true that the patient, the, 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 the participant was attending slash conscious and the region if deactivating means that it's it is not. So so we try to go for, this is one example of this thing, we try to go for these kind of things. So to give you another example, in the same line, we just found out, um, in fact I found out like a couple of months ago, that a kind of a set of epilepsy patients stop activating um, their, their, a number of their brain networks. So uh, in, in, a certain, in certain epilepsy patients, you find that that a brain that tends to be, to be active during any task or rest, in those epilepsy patients, this brain network pretty much shuts down. So now, which means that whatever, now we can test for those theories that's, that attribute this network into whatever XYZ
0: behavior, XYZ, XYZ cognition. How how vast is region, active region, the active space of the brain, like how many possible combinations are there, do you many. Yeah. many, but the thing is why there are many, but all of these combinations are not
1: realized. It is always the same set of, let's say, 14-15 brain regions that are active, the same set of, by the other way, the deactivated regions tend to vary a lot more. So, uh, while activating regions by and large is the same, the, the set is the same uh, across all tasks. The, the big big exception would be the language tasks, so language tasks activate a slightly different repertoire of, 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 of brain regions. But when it comes to deactivating, the set of regions that deactivate,
0: that varies a lot across tasks. So, um, do you think there are many possible states in the brain that to the same conscious experience or not? The, the
1: scientifically, we have no way of saying that right now yes. because when we are looking at with fMRI, you are looking at big population neurons, and we are looking at neurons, all of them being more active, less active. Now, if we look at patterns, then obviously patterns tend to vary between pretty much every two things. So, if you if are two if they if two things correspond to two different let's say mental states, then you can be
0: dead sure that they will correspond to two different set of patterns of activity sure i was wondering for a lot of time actually they were invented in psychology before called introspection Mm -hmm. they give to they give some experience (coughs) to the first and it reports yes it's not reliable but i think it's still data and there could be clear there there
1: is no 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 experimental Uh, neuroscientist neuroscientist or psychologist that who does not use introspection so we all use introspection. It's just that we don't make claims on introspection. Uh, Experiments are designed based on introspection, of course. Now, so now <laughs> the many things are talked about purely on introspection, even now. So we, we say that like look, this was was more difficult, and was <laughs> was more effortful. How do I prove that it, more? it was actually more effort? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, it, it, it basis it, it relies on the shared understanding. Now, you could say, and this is what people do, they will say, oh, because it, as a proof, the, the reaction time was higher. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or it was okay, it, it, it had more steps. Sure. But that and, and effort are not the same thing. To give you an example,
0: yeah. um, so have you participated in, in any experiment experiment? Uh, I had to take one because of a like examination not, not an okay. experience. So oh, yeah, so it's good. So when you when you were doing that so how long did
1: it last fifteen minutes? Thirty minutes. Oh, 30, okay. Was it easy for you? It, it was. No, no, I said, or did you enjoy the experience? I did. <laughs> okay. So now so now go to go to an FMRI experiment, right? <laughs> and you see if it is more enjoyable or more more effortful for you during task or during rest. Mm -hmm. Now you'll find that you'll be dealing with two different challenges on both sides, especially when the experiment goes wrong. If the task is difficult, then obviously that will be the challenge during the task part. Mm -hmm. During the rest part, later on, the challenging part would be keeping yourself awake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so 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 now it's not easy to say that you know it require more effort than, than rest because <laughs> you don't know that, that uh, and, and, and uh, of course if, uh, um, you know this from experience that, that it's not that easy to say. So that is if I were to give people ask people to just go in the scanner and keep themselves away and do nothing for half an hour, they will hate me. <laughs> yes. Whereas if I give give them put them in the scanner and ask them to do a demanding video game, then be much less effortful for them. Yeah. So 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 now effort is something that is purely related to an experience like, there technically can and cannot be and 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 indeed there is no measure of effort, there is no objective measure of effort, it primarily depends on the person's experience. So now you have lots of experience, in a lot of experiments effort will be talked about by relying on a shared shared experience or, 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 or by relying on the
0: readers as well as the author's introspection. But I don't see many Introspection reports on uh, papers. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, think it exactly. should be there, but maybe it's a separate paper type. We publish those as well. So, it's I mean,
1: it depends on on uh, on, on on the question. Mm-hmm. Not all of psychology can be brought down into in, scientific lens, mm-hmm. or like, definitely not brought down to experimental lens. So there are there is a whole host of psych of psychology mm-hmm. that that you cannot talk in terms of studies and statistics and so forth. For example, let's say, strategies of dealing with existential anxiety. <laughs> you can do a study with them, as many strategies as yes, there are people on earth. So on that, you will be relying on somebody's experience, right? Sure. A person say that yeah, I used to feel very anxious, and then, and then I thought this way and that way, and that is how I worked it out. So that is how it, it will be that the field will be. So different fields of psychology will um, uh, 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 will be different, and I'll say uh, maybe the vast majority of, of fields of psychology, especially those that are way, way more relevant to a, a non-psychologist's life, will rely on introspection as well. So uh, what? But again, on those we don't make any scientific claim. But by science
0: here we mean uh, mm-hmm. natural science. Yeah, I, I didn't even mean it as a mm-hmm. separate site. Mm-hmm. thing. It's just the data. Mm-hmm. Sh- it should be
1: there, sure. So, so now, whether you, there are some studies. So there is a big database on dreams. Yeah, mm-hmm. people go collecting their people, to, uh, collecting people's dream reports. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, I forget this domain name, but but. Uh, they have collected a huge repertoire on green, green reports you know? yes. so that you can go through them and you can even search through keywords to see uh, yeah, and, and, uh, and then see are uh, there patterns within a person, across people, across age yeah. and yeah, mm-hmm. very very nice. It would be good to have uh, experiments as well
0: eh? Yeah, that's why I guess. So, um, your paper in 2013 starts with the line how the brain converts parallel representations of movement goals into sequential moments mm-hmm. is not known. Mm-hmm. Can you can you explain what parallel representations of movement goals are? And tell me about your intuition about the mind, but the problem that is concerned concern with representations a lot mm-hmm. that is in your imagination. Where do you think mind and consciousness ties? Mm-hmm. Are they a physical entities? Let's I mean, go
1: mm-hmm. one by so now that is a, uh, an, an issue in movement research which is that that suppose you need to make let's say pick this cup, that cup, that cup. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that now you are going to make let's say three movements. That, that, that. Mm-hmm. Now the three goals would not be sequentially represented. It's not that first the goal in your head, the representation in your head will be that cup. Then that, then next step and so forth. It is the case, not just with movement, with any kind of task. That if you have a long task, then the entire task gets represented in the head. Now, then, the, then and that is a finding. Now, the moment you have the finding, then you have the next question. That if I am representing all three movements, then how am I deciding which sequence to go for? Now, we also know that errors of sequences do happen. So, there are cases in which you do the second step before the first step. Or uh, when people are pronouncing language in words, you'll say that those mispronunciations happen. Like, so, so we think that, that if there is an error on something, means that there is a right way of doing that as well, which gets to, to uh, occasionally to create error. So, that is what that, that study is, is about. Um, and the role of, uh, of basal ganglia and Parkinson's, and we look at Parkinson's patients and we look at. Um, those Parkinson's patients who have got electrodes implanted. Um, now, in certain and patients that cannot be controlled by medicines and are young enough that they have got a good life expectancy, then you implant um, uh, electrodes into, let's say, their subthalamus, um, and um, and if you were to activate those electrodes, basically shut that brain region, mm-hmm. the patient finds relief in their, um, in their, um, their symptoms. So now, then, with such patients, you can have, you can very easily create two different states by switching their their uh, electrodes on over and off, mm-hmm. and look at the the role of particular brain region in 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 that. So that is the, uh, the, that is that is to say, the, the the point of the paper was that the basic lambda is, is crucial for creating sequential representations out of this spaluri. Okay, so. Uh, now the second was on the mind-body problem. Yes. Now so, <clears throat> that, by the way, still is uh, uh, is um, um, an open question. Yes. Now there, there is a, there is a simple answer. Simple answer is that um, that brain is important for the mind. Yes, true. And on that, pretty much everybody will agree. Yes. Even if you are a dualist, dualist still you will also agree that your yeah, brain is important. The the difference may be that in one case the, um, um, the one one will say that you no know, mind and brain are the, let's say the same thing. The other may say that you no know, mind and brain are, are two different things. But mind somehow controls the brain and mind works via brain. Mm-hmm. But but brains still I mean, we are talking about radical dualism. The brain uh, still is needed for mind to move the body. Of course. So again, scientifically, you, there is only uh, only this much you can say. Scientifically, all you can say is that yeah, brain is, is important for the for the mind. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, but then there are um, there then where you find that things become Trickier compared to uh, A simple explanation, and that is where you uh, that is uh, the realm of patients. Now, let me take you off of of finding in patients. Now, suppose you have a child mm-hmm. um let's say four five year old now there is a a a, a, a very severe kind of epilepsy called rasmussen's encephalitis mm-hmm. it creates it creates massive seizures mm-hmm. uh, where um, such that it's uh, that those that are difficult to to control via medications now th- in this in this condition there is a lot of lesions but all limited to one hemisphere mm-hmm. you know the brain is the two hemispheres so let's say you have a patient with with and Saplite tissue, the patient is young, uh, left hemisphere is involved. Now the current treatment <coughs> is to, if you remove the, the entire left hemisphere, the, the child will be eclectic free because the entire lesion was well, on, on the left hemisphere. Now, and, and, and these lesions tend to be very widespread, but, but all in one hemisphere. So, you you cannot be done with just removing one part, you have to remove the whole hemisphere. Now, when you remove the whole hemisphere, let's say when you remove the left hemisphere entirely, left side has has language, right, the child becomes mute completely, eh? loses all language. The child can even uh, become paralysed on the right side. and the child may have a whole host of problems because left hemisphere is very important, right? In fact, left hemisphere is so important that if you have done this same operation at, let's say, age 60, the person may not even survive. Yeah. yeah. Now, what will happen to the child? Now, if, if the child is in a, in a situation with uh, with good health care and so forth, and, and, and a family and, and, and affluence and so forth, you find that the child will gradually start to recover. And within some time, she'll start to get have language back as well oh. and some of them will get their language so well the language will come back so well that you will not even know that have any problem <laughs> that half hemisphere oh. is missing Now the only thing which will remain there will be that, that let's say if the left hemisphere is gone then this, these fingers will this you will not be able to control these fingers uh, yeah, especially the Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the reason is simple because you know you ultimately to move the mus- that the muscles that that, that uh, move these muscles you need to have some neuron moving that, right? You have to speak you need to Now the question is this. Now suppose your view was that brain is the brain's same as the mind, right? Then you have explain how did that is, how did this recovery happen? Now, you could use uh, language uh, to cover things up. Cover, not, you could say, oh, because brain is very plastic I mean, in children, right? Mm-hmm. But you see, neurons are not, not humans, right? Neurons are not conscious agents. Yes. How do neurons know <laughs> that I need to change? <laughs> yes. How does neurons on, my, my, on the child's right hemisphere decide that, hey, language is missing, <laughs> I, I, need to become, I need to develop language, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there is even bigger conceptual difficulty here. Now, if your view is that it is the brain, which is the primary thing, right? Right? Then brain develops because of brain itself, right? Because all causal things are within the brain itself, right? So now, imagine this five-year-old child and a healthy five-year-old child. Both have got right hemispheres. They are doing the same thing, right? Now, this, the patient fired right hemisphere has to develop not just as right hemisphere, but also as the left hemisphere. Yes. That is, it has to be a super right hemisphere. It has to do two things. Mm-hmm. Whereas the healthy right hemisphere has to only do healthy. Now, but, but now here is the impact of the, the problem. This child's right hemisphere, which is actually being becoming the super right hemisphere, mm-hmm. her brain is already compromised. So her development should be compromised as well. Mm-hmm. But then, how is her development of right hemisphere actually better than <laughs> a healthy right hemisphere? You see the problem. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 and this is just one example. If you look into patients, you'll find that uh, that pretty much most of neuroscientific accounts will at least face difficulties, if not completely get destroyed. So, so now, now in this, how do we, um, how do we, how do we? Um, 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 at least you can recognize that, you know, mind-brain thing needs to be, you need to
0: think about it here in this situation, right? Mm-hmm. So, likewise. Okay. So, your intuition, what does your intuition say? You go uh, your I, I, so, so I, 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 I try to um, uh, maintain a non-compatial attitude
1: on these things. Okay. Non-compatial attitude means that I'm open to all data. Okay. The, the problem with having a view is that very soon it becomes your pet view. And very soon that, that view becomes the lens through which you start seeing the world. Yeah. Yeah. Now, because because in this case, whatever you can be dead sure that whatever you come up with is bound to be wrong. It's, that one thing is for sure, right? So, so I try to keep as much away from from views as as, as possible. Yeah, I
0: get, so it. I get it. So, uh, but how often do you think about that problem? All, all the time. All the time. <laughs> Nice. I say <laughs> So, I had an idea while writing these questions. Focusing on a task is not a con- continuous process for me. I usually find yes. myself focused. Yes. And it is it is a, quite a jump. So, do you think there might be some sort of discontinuity in consciousness? It, 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 by the way, there is
1: a very recent paper, our, like my first paper from Bill Kent, okay. Um on this, which is that we uh, instantiate control or attention in chunks. Chunks mm-hmm. means that we start attending for some part and then um, mm-hmm. it as one episode and then automatically your attention will break. Mm-hmm. Now this, phenom- this phenomenon itself is, again you don't need uh, experiment mm-hmm. to do that because it's the, the experiment is about that this episode gets created that all uh, in, in a cognition but any time we have to do any kind of purposeful purposeful or goal directed thing purposeful means that anything that is not automatic mm-hmm. <coughs> so when you are thinking it's a purposeful cognition as opposed to mind wandering or as opposed to random cognition mm-hmm. so purposeful cognition or occurs in episodes because of a uh, cognitive and that this is what the paper is about because of a cognitive resource limit now there is something called uh, that this this um, everyone recognizes that there is some limit to our cognition mm-hmm. that pertains to how many things you can attend, how many things, how many items you can keep in head. So in that study, we try to we I mean, we show evidence of that there is a limit to how long we can attend, so or how long an uh, an episode in future we can make. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, um, now this is something. This part will is not will not be intuitively obvious because this thing you find you find these things when you do experiments, which is that when we are doing when you are doing when people are doing any kind of long task, they they do they start a task and create a mental episode for future, mm-hmm. then that breaks then you do that you
0: uh, usually there are many tasks in your paper. How do you pick the task that mm-hmm. that's specific to the it D- depends on the
1: question, it depends on the question, yeah. and because all of these things typically ha- happen on well, on the past, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, activity science is a conversation, right, done via papers. Mm-hmm. So you when you, are, when you are doing something, you are responding to something before, something that has been said or articulated before. Mm-hmm. So the tasks are, are will either be in response to the tasks done before, or a modification of the tasks done before, and so forth.
0: Uh, did you ever... Uh, think, thought of looking at the task, neuroscience
1: of tasks in like, drug experiences? Um, I have not done so as yet. But yeah, I have uh, uh-huh. <clears throat> in fact, one of my early like, my, I wanted to do this experiment in uh, in my masters. Mm-hmm. So, so in, in a form of cannabis very prevalent very uh, frequently used in, in India. People have flowing of time. there. they are, you know, we have a same normal a a sense of how fast or how slow the time is moving, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes tasks, as perceived by us, moves fast. Sometimes it's very slow. Yes. Now I have never taken that particular um, or for that matter any any drug. There is a festival in India yeah. called Holi, and 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 this form of cannabis that is consumed in, on that festival is called bhang. It um, and it's consumed massively. Yeah. So, people who, do, who do, some of the some people who have that, uh, who after, after consuming this this particular thing, uh, they feel that the time has slowed down. So, like my friend described me that he, he was cross, he was crossing the quadrangle, so just like going from this to the other building, there is a space in between, and it looked as if he had been walking for ages and <laughs> so had not been able to cross it. So and, and many people would would would, uh, and, uh, would, would, um, would have had this experience. Yeah, that, that the time slowed down massively, as if that everything has stopped. Right. So I wanted to study that, but the problem is, is that obviously ethics is a huge <laughs> for <laughs> So so yes, uh, I I do have um, um, interest in um, studying patients or studying people with. Do you have any expectations for uh, some of them at least, to, that you expect to see in the brain? Um, I don't know. I'm um, no. <coughs> be no. aware that that the modality that we have to look into brain is extremely limited. fMRI is massively compromised ability. Um, so let's let's consider at issue of time, right? Mm-hmm. So. Do we expect that some neurons will become slow just because people have started feeling that time that time has, start to, has started to go slow, possible. But need not be, it is very possible that the time, that, that neurons are actually, the relevant time neurons are actually more fast. And, and in some sense you already have this experience. So but let's say when you dream, right? And in your previous experience that you live for one day yes so it's not that i'm going to for one day right <laughs> so so our our experiences are a construction that is a well-known mm-hmm. so um, um, so how things would be i don't know but so there are
0: um no i asked that one what do you think the future holds for research researching science of test execution are there any emerging trends mm-hmm. Or open problems that you find particularly exciting? first of all, they're, all, they're, all, yeah. they're only problems. There are. Now, <coughs> the, um, um,
1: what, the emerging trends are always really tied to new technology, mm-hmm. new methods. So that that keeps coming. So yeah. you know, let's say, 50 till 10, 10, 20 years ago, the main method was net change in brain activity over last ten last decade. The main or key method has been connectivity or let's or, or synchronized changes in activity or or, or or patterns of activity. That's not you're not, not looking at net change in activity. We are looking at patterns of activity and what kind of information can be discerned or decoded from those patterns. So you know, it's possible that, that in the future another new technology or another new method will come but also be aware that new methods not don't necessarily translate into new conceptually new findings. So what you have, and this is the, this is the, the situation with neuroscience, that you have the same point made that in the 60s, 70s, made based on patients, made in 80s, 90s, based on net change in activity, based, now made, being made um, based on patterns of activity or connectivity, but the, the conceptual point remains the same. So. Uh, how will it pan out in future? My the my um, general like one thing that I definitely know is this that that all of or much of the way of, of our contemporary findings would get would vaporize in, in future. Yeah, of course. Because if you put together everything, you can already see that things don't fit in properly. So we do definitely need a new way of thinking about the brain. So, for specifically you, mm-hmm. what, what does the future look like? Think about what will you study? Do you plan on switching anything? Mm-hmm. No. So, so, the thing that we we want, continue? so we 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 plan to uh, study more of patients for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Gradually uh, go for more and more complex methods because um, um, I've been here for last three years now. So gradually students are getting trained which means that, you know, you start with simple methods and you go through more and more complex methods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is something that we hope, I don't know if it will be possible uh, immediately or not. So there are some set of patients in whom you have electrodes implanted. So in some cases like, of epilepsy, the fur- <coughs> you cannot see where the epileptic foci is based on MRI. So the surgeon needs to open up the brain with electrodes and then keep recording from the electrode for the next few days and then use that to locate where epilepsy is because epilepsy is ultimately you know, um, disorganized firing or the random firing from from from, neuron, from neurons so now when electrodes are granted and what these people are walking about okay. we test and record from neurons okay. so that is another method that we hope to switch into So example. the patients of epilepsy mm-hmm. Um, Not
0: just the implanted in the world. Yeah, that ones. The default mode regions, uh, damaged ones. Mm-hmm. So no, yeah. no, with, with patients, we actually many patient populations now. So we study a patient,
1: a set of patients, who, again with epilepsy, who have got to have their and their anterior temporal lobe removed. So it, when when this operation is done, they end up losing a good bit of their, or let's say major um, um, substantial bit of their memory or or emotion related region on one side now with these patients you can study them before their operation Mm -hmm. and after their operation Mm -hmm. so you can get a before after Mm picture so and then we are also open to to, you always get you know some patient with a very peculiar finding
0: a peculiar set of patients so we are always open for them as well so uh, would you want to look at psychological disorders as well, not just brain damage? Yeah. Yes.
1: So, uh, if your if your uh, interests are neuroscientific in nature, mm-hmm. then then psychiatric patient populations okay. are way more messy. Yeah. Because if there's one thing that has but it's not that people have not stu- tried studying it, mm-hmm. but what what the general upshot is that there is no neuroscientific finding, no consistent neuroscientific finding in any psychiatric population. Mm-hmm. For depression, there's no, no finding that is common to, or even reliably the same across population, across the depression patients. So I tend to avoid it primarily because of, you um, you have limited time, so you rather use your time to things that are, that are more practical and, and, and are easy to finish. Yes, yeah. and, and will give you some reliable answer. The issue is not about uh, having a clear answer, the issue is about having reliable answers. Of course. So, um, Um, and then there are other problems as well. For example, suppose you find something different in depressed patient, for example, or any psychiatric patient group, is that difference the cause of the problem or the effect of the problem? So let's say depressed patients and you find that one brain region is less active. It could be the cause of their depression. It could be also be the effect of their depression because since they are depressed, they are slow, their mind processes are slow and so forth, right? So that is another that, um, and in fact, that is one of the confounds present in the vast majority of neuroscientific studies of psychiatric
0: issues. So uh, you have been in Turkey for three years, three and a half, three and a half. half. How do you find it, and do you plan on going back, uh, going to another Mm -hmm. country? So I don't have
1: anything, any complaints as yet. So so if I don't have any complaints. I have no reason to yeah, to switch, and sure. um, um, yeah, so I don't have any plan. But academics in general are fairly mobile people. <laughs> so, um, but so while I don't
0: know about the future, but yeah, I don't have any complaints, Thankfully, yeah. Yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, very really, it was very really, very really nice day with you. Oh, thanks a lot for it. Really nice yeah, thank you.